Friends, our first reading today comes to us from the New Testament, from the Gospel of Matthew. It's the beginning of the Gospel, which might sound a bit familiar. Where we encounter our story today, Mary and Joseph have traveled to Bethlehem. They have given birth to Jesus the Christ. They have been visited by the Magi who have been told to go home by another way. Our story picks up today with just Mary and Joseph and newborn Jesus wondering what to do next. Friends, let us listen now for a word from God. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream saying, Arise, and take the young child and his mother and flee to Egypt, and be there until I bring you word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night, and they departed into Egypt together. And they stayed there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt I have called my son. Friends, this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today we're beginning a new sermon series that will carry us forward for the next six weeks. We're calling it Back to school. This is the time of year, every year, when students and young people are heading back to the classroom. And as many of the teachers here might attest to, one of the first things they often do when they are back together is do a little refresher on some of those lessons from the previous year that have perhaps lapsed over the summer months. It'll come as no surprise that in our own spiritual lives and faith journeys, there come times when we too could use a little bit of a refresher, a refresher on those people and those events in the Bible that shape and guide and serve as the foundation of our faith in Jesus Christ. And so it is appropriate today that we begin this series by turning to a story that itself has sometimes been referred to as being the foundational story of all the Bible. It is the story of the Exodus, of the Israelite people escaping their bondage in Egypt. Our reading today, which is a bit of a long one, we'll try and move through it quickly, is the culmination of the Exodus story. This is the point when the Israelite people have finally reached the edge of their freedom, and now there is but a little way left to go. So friends, let us listen now for a word from God as we hear these verses from Exodus chapter 14, beginning with the 10th verse. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, Leave us alone and let us serve the Egyptians? 
It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Moses answered the people saying, Do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you need only to be still. And then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through on dry ground. I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they will go in after them. And I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army through his chariots and his horsemen. The Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I gain glory through Pharaoh, his chariots, and horsemen. And then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army withdrew and went behind them. And the pillar of cloud also moved from in front and stood behind them, coming between the armies of Egypt and Israel. Throughout the night, the cloud brought darkness to the one side and light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. And then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. The Egyptians pursued them, and all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. During the last watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army, and he threw them into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots so that they had difficulty driving, and the Egyptians said, Let's get away from the Israelites, for the Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. Then the Lord said to Moses, stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. And so Moses stretched out his hand over the sea and at daybreak the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. The water flowed back and covered the chariots and horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites went through on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. And that day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians and Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared. They feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Good and gracious God, stretch your hand out over us now. That the waters of our tiredness, the waters of our fatigue, the waters of our uncertainty would be parted and the only thing we might find on the other side would be you. Indeed, O God, we pray that through your spirit, the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here in your sight today would be pleasing and glorifying to you. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. To understand why 
so many consider Exodus to be a foundational story in all the scriptures, I think it would help for us to take in the view of this story from 30,000 feet, if you will. From up high, we can look back to the early parts of the Exodus narrative. We can remember how this story begins with a new Pharaoh coming into power, one the author tells us who did not know, Joseph. Y'all remember Joseph? That Hebrew turned hero to the Egyptians there at the end of the book of Genesis. This new Pharaoh doesn't remember Joseph. All he sees is that the sheer number of Hebrew people now outnumber his Egyptian people. And so from a place of fear, he issues a decree that every boy Hebrew born should be killed. But against all the odds, there is one, at least, Hebrew boy who is spared, literally drawn up out of the waters, and his name is Moses. In a rich twist of irony, too, Moses is raised in Pharaoh's house. From up high, we can look back and we can remember how Moses, the boy, grows into a man and he flees Egypt, but upon God's command, he returns. He returns and he cries out to Pharaoh, let my people go. And Pharaoh's heart, though, is hardened. Ten times in this story, his heart is hardened. But still, still God does not give up. Right from up there at 30,000 feet, we can look down to directly on the passage that we have just read, where those Israelites have their backs to the sea, where death is inevitable. And still God, God does the impossible. We have the vantage point there at 30,000 feet to also look ahead in this story. Our reading today essentially marks the end of the Exodus itself, but of course it begins the beginning of another season in Israel's life, one of wilderness, of pain, of hunger, of suffering. And yet we know from where we sit that still, even in that story, God provides for 40 years. God provides. The reason Exodus is a foundational story, I think, in the scriptures is because when we take in its entire arc, we find that the God we worship is one who is capable of bringing something from nothing. We find a God who makes promises, and even when those promises seem impossible to keep over and over, God makes them true. We encounter in the Exodus story the story of a God who even in our darkest moments, even when we cannot see it or believe it, God is one who is always moving God's people toward life. You know, it's probably for that reason that Exodus has always been such a central story to any movement throughout time and space that has sought the freedom of oppressed or enslaved people, including a central story in our own nation's history in the civil rights movement, right? Because this is a story that shows us when we're on the ground and our reality seems to scream that nothing can change, 
It is a story that lifts us up high. A story that reveals that even when the situation seems to be at wit's end, God is still somehow, some way moving us toward freedom. I heard an interview once with the late Congressman John Lewis from the Atlanta area where he talked about how in the civil rights movement he and his fellow activists, they would literally role play, they would train each other to imagine, to literally have an out-of-body experience that if they were being beaten or if they were being degraded, to be able to look into the eyes of whoever it is that is perpetrating that upon them and think to themselves, one time not long ago, this person was an innocent child. Someone taught this person to hate. And yet I can be up high enough to see the truth that even this person is a child of God. He said it's stories like the Exodus story that allowed him and others to live and act and love as if as if the inevitable had already come. As if God's kingdom wasn't some theoretical place and time in the future, but rather one that was all around them right now, that all they had to do was open others' hearts and eyes to see it. What would the world look like, I wonder, if more people today live and acted and loved like that, right? We all have moments where we can place ourselves in the shoes of the Israelites. We all have moments where we cry out to God, where we take a quick inventory of the situation and conclude that we are totally and irreversibly hosed. We all have those moments where our lives are thrown into confusion like the Egyptians. It's worth pausing here to note that the Egyptians, they get a little bit of the short end of the stick here, don't they? Ada Owens, our communications director who puts together our bulletin each Sunday, she popped her head in my office on Friday and she said, so I've been reading the scripture and I'm wondering, what do you do with all those poor soldiers who were just obeying orders? It makes me keenly aware of the fact that if we too easily place ourselves only in the shoes of the Israelites, then the truth is not in us and we deceive ourselves, right? Because there is, in truth, a little Egyptian and a little Israelite in us all. We all have a tendency to want to control situations. We all have a tendency to act out of fear from time to time. We all have a tendency to try and control the narrative by which we live, right? We all have these moments where we hit a dead end, where something has been thrown into the wheels of our lives, where the injustice, the injustice and the hurt and the destruction of the world just seems all too much to bear. Exodus is a story that seeks to remind us in those moments of life to trust and live as if we are there at 30,000 feet. 
where we can always see the entire arc of the story and know that even if it feels like everything is done, it is not yet the end. I don't know about you all, but this is a story in a strange way that I have needed these past two weeks, really even these past two days. Right? All of us, whether we're a parent or a grandparent or a teacher or a business owner or a neighbor or a friend, we're all wrestling with this sense that our backs are up against the sea. Right? What's safe and what's not? What's responsible and what's reckless? What's the way forward? Is there a way forward out of this mess that we are in? And then here is this story. The story that reminds us that our God, God, is one who is capable alone of bringing something from nothing. That God is one who makes a promise and keeps it. That God is one who even in the darkest moments, even when we struggle to see it or believe it from the ground level at which we live, that God is ever and always moving us toward life. I think it's so telling that even from an early age, Jesus knew Exodus. I selected that first reading today because it's a detail that we sometimes forget. Matthew is the only gospel that includes this little tidbit about Jesus having to flee with his family as just an infant to Egypt. It is to fulfill a prophecy in Matthew's telling of it, but it's also a reminder that our Lord and Savior knows what it's like to be on the run. I wonder to myself if later in life, when Jesus is finding himself in a room full of religious leaders who are telling him that he is crazy, I wonder if later in life when Jesus goes to visit his home church and in turn they try to kill him, I wonder if later in life when the disciples try and tell Jesus there's not enough, just a few fish and loaves of bread. I wonder if later in life when the reality of Jesus' situation tells him, you know, there's really no point, man. I wonder if later when the promise seems all but dead to Jesus, hanging there on a cross. I wonder if Jesus' mind ever went back to those years that he spent in Egypt with his family. I kind of imagine myself, his family, sitting there around a campfire at night in the desert. It gets cold in the desert. I imagine his mother telling the story of the Exodus. They didn't have Bibles back then. Everything was told as story. I imagine Jesus as an adult then thinking back to those nights and hearing his mother's voice. And I wonder if he latches on to those words that Moses speaks in our passage. Those words that I'm not even quite sure Moses fully believed himself when he spoke them, and yet words that turned out to be true. Where Moses says to the Israelites, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance that the Lord will bring you today. 
You know, I wonder if those words, if this story are what gave Jesus the courage, the foundation even, you might say, to live and act and to love as he did. To live and act and love as if he were up there at 30,000 feet, able to see the fact that no matter what comes, it is not the end. It is not the end. You all can easily surmise, being the first of a six-week sermon series, that this is not the end of the story either. We will come back next week and we will visit with another face at another time in the history of God's work in our world. And yet I wonder today if in the meantime, this story may be the one that allows us to live and act and love as if we too can see the arc of where God is heading. How even when it feels as if we are at the end, God is ever so gently, ever so persistently moving us one step, one breath, one day at a time towards that time when all will see that all is well. Friends, for the sake of the gospel, And for the sake of the world, may we live and act and love as if that is true this day and always. Amen.